Here we go, episode 41 of the Hibs Rambo. It's me, Craig, hosting this week, and I've got Liam and Mark with me. How are we doing, boys? All right, mate, you? Stupendous. Good, good. I see Mark's sporting the absolutely magnificent Rambo bucket hat. And I've got the cup. Uh, I was supposed supposed to get mine yesterday, but Liam decided that he couldn't be bothered to... After setting it up all day, I thought I was getting my mug. Didn't get it. It's still lying here next to Sean's. So, I um, congratulations to all the folk that, that won their mugs and, and bucket hats. I don't know the names off the top of my head, so just congratulations to everybody. Um, so, I we're going to just sort of talk about, we've got a lot of questions this week, so we're going to focus on the questions quite a bit today. But we can't escape uh, Saturday. Obviously, the news came out today that uh, Jimmy Jago's red card was was rescinded, uh, not even rescinded, it was downgraded to a yellow, which I, I didn't understand either. Um, Mark, the referees in Scottish football have been under the spotlight this season, especially with the introduction of VAR. How is it possible that we have introduced a technology to help referees, yet the referees are consistently getting worse and they're consistently getting decisions wrong? No idea, beggars believe. But th- this is, I have to say, this is probably the worst season that I can remember. I know football fans have got notoriously short memories, but I cannot remember a season being this bad with this much controversy. And I'm not one of these sort of conspiracy theorists that believe that SFA's got something against Hibs personally, but I think the amount, I, I could probably count maybe 10 instances where it's been outrageous decisions and also there's been decisions against Aberdeen, against Celtic. I think the only team that's probably had the most favourable outcome from VAR and the referees has been Rangers. That's not to say that it's done on purpose, but um, I think it's really shown that there is a, a union within the SFA and it's about who you know. I think VAR's too scared to intervene in case the, the offender mate that's on the pitch. I think they need to throw a set of cojones to be honest but it's an absolute it's a joke and it's it's getting worse like you say there needs to be something done about it Aye, as as you've said I, I, when I um, Sunday night when I was kind of bored and I just sort of looked into it and I, I reeled off a lot of the decisions so uh, Miko's goal up at Tanadice that was disallowed Melkerson being offside, yet the line wasn't drawn at his knee. It was drawn just in front of his knee, so he looked offside. James Sands handball at Ibrox. Marshall getting bundled in the goals. Like like you, from a Hibs perspective, I don't remember a season like it in terms of the these decisions getting made that completely you could you could argue change the course of the game. I know it's. It's all about, oh, you can't say just because that didn't happen that the result wouldn't have ended the same, you know, because we'll never know. Um, but Liam, this seems to be an ongoing thing. Remember back after the, the League Cup final against Celtic when we lost 2-1 um, and one of the goals, I think it might have been the second goal, it seemed as if the fourth official was putting his board up. So the Hibs players kind of switched off and Celtic took a quick free kick and ended up scoring. After that game, Paul McGinn was very... I'm sure he ended up with a two-match ban for it um, because he was very vocal in how poor the officiating is in Scottish football. 
I don't want like Mark says. I don't want. We don't want to cry conspiracy. But is it a coincidence that ever since he made those direct comments about referees and about the SFA, that we've other than the most blatant decisions like the red cards that we've had against us this season, for example, um, that we get absolutely jack shit out the referees these days. <clears throat> I don't think it's a conspiracy or a coincidence or anything like that. I just think the referees are shite. And the the fact that the the same people are refing the games as are deciding on the VAR decisions, I think it is naive of us to think that anything would actually have changed. Um, yeah, maybe they get a second chance to look at the more clear-cut decisions, but you look at the amount of mistakes that they've made, even when they've had VAR. Well, the VAR you know, that we had on Saturday... Um, was the same one that missed Considine's handball uh, for, I don't know if you recall it, it was St Johnston against Kilmarnock and Considine's literally punched the ball in the air mm-hmm. and they never reviewed it. I don't understand. See, the fact that this has been taken to the panel and then has been overturned, it just screams that no one trusts each other. Like, well, I believe these sort of panels are made up of a retired referee, a retired player, and a current, whether it be SFA or somewhat official. So I would I would believe that for something to get overturned, there would need to be a unanimous, you know, so two out of three verdict. So, I just don't understand because see for me, I'm actually gonna I'm not gonna defend Craig Napier here, but when it come when it came to that decision, I seen him take the red card straight out. Because see, in real time, if you only get one look at it, I can't, I can't remember where he was standing or how good his position was. But he was right, it, mate. He was about five yards away looking it at It happens so off. quickly. And I think he, he tries to cover his own back by giving a straight red initially, hoping that if he's wrong, VR will tell him to go to the monitor, he'll get another look at it, and then he can change his decision. I think that's why he's brought the straight red out, first and foremost. That's but then the fact that VAR have went, nah, you've made the right call, and not even getting them to have a second look at it is incomprehensible, to be honest. Surely it makes more sense, though, if that's the thinking behind it. Surely it makes more sense to book the player and wait for it to go to a review to see if it needs to be upgraded to no, a they, they, they can't review You can't review a yellow card. It's only but you penalties. can a serious foul play, can you not? Yeah, but they but need to give... It's, it's, as soon as he books something that negates that, you, they can't go back and do anything with the yellow. So yeah. what Liam's saying is that's that's what I thought as well. I thought that he's taking the red out quickly because he thinks it might have been a bad one. VAR will give him the chance to it's go and look at it. It's one of them in real time that you see and you think, oh, could go either way. Like right. if, if you were sitting in the stands, I know none of us were there, but it's one of the ones that you think, oh, that looks a Syrian. But then when you look back at it, and this is what VER is here for, to make the decisions like that the right decisions. And yeah. it's I, just, I, that, I can't I could not believe that he he didn't even get told to go and look at it. Aye. I think they can only intervene in the uh, goal scoring incidents, uh, handballs, offsides and so like you say, Mark, serious foul play. But if he'd have given him a yellow straight away, they wouldn't have been able they to can, review it. they're not able to then go back and Review it to upgrade it to a yellow, to a red. All all that they can do is so give the red to then downgrade it to a yellow. We've seen it sort of in the Premier League, 
Uh, I know I watched a Serie A game a few weeks ago where the ref was really quick with the red, but he communicated to the players at the same time that he was he only gave the red because he wasn't sure how bad it was. So he was using VAR as a failsafe. What it seems to be is that it's turned out that Napier's just clearly thought it was a red card. Um, and the fact that he's not even been given the chance to go and look at it again is the most baffling aspect of it. And I mean, it kind of, I mean, we knew we were in for, for one of the games at Perth. We, me and Liam spoke last week after the Hearts game that that sort of level of performance in terms of the intensity that the players were going to put in, the, lem- the, sorry, the terms of effort, that's what we needed going forward. And our worry, Mark, was that it's all fine and well doing it in a derby. Because you kind of that, you know, the the atmosphere around the club is different for a derby than what it is away game at St Johnston. But I think it's fair to say that I know the pitch didn't help matters, but the performance levels from the derby were were way off. That's the thing you you can't recreate that. So you can always say, oh well, why you know why can we not play like that every week? You cannot. It's like taking a penalty. You know, you can practice a thousand penalties in your back garden, but if you put yourself in a Champions League final, it's a completely different, you know what I mean? You can't practice yeah, yeah. that. And it's the exact same with a derby. You cannot recreate that environment, that intensity, the atmosphere from the fans and all that kind of stuff. So naturally, when you come you come down almost and you play a St. Johnson at quite a small ground, uh, yeah, it was a great away support, but the atmosphere is not exactly mental. You're playing on a poor pitch in blustery conditions. It's... You're never going to get the same intensity out of the players. All you can hope is that the quality shines through. And unfortunately, the quality didn't really shine through. Um, so I, I know what people are saying, oh, why can't we kind of, you know, why can't we do that every week? But I do also understand why the intensity it's levels... Not, it's not possible to do it every week. Yeah. Nah. Nah, like just, you say, the, the atmosphere and the whole build-up to a certain fixture does... Like, you know, you, you can put in all the effort you want, but, in te- you know, name, in a derby, what you want to see in the first five minutes is a, is a, is a fair crunching tackle that lets them know they're in for a game. Yeah. Like, you're no, like, if that was to happen at St Johnston, you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get sent off doing that? Because even, even, even <laughs> the fans are like that. You get fans that go to certain games, so you think about um, Kilmarnock at home when we beat them 2-0. Um in a derby, we'd be quite vocal for, like, after, um, like, the derby just passed there when Nisbet scored. The crowd was sort of lifted for the last 20 minutes. Against Kilmarnock, who we were 2 nil up after, what, 50 minutes, and it was like a friendly. Like, the place was silent. So, uh, matching those performance levels and sort of intensity levels are going to be difficult. Um, but, obviously, we were reliant... Well, we weren't really. We kind of wanted Livingston to lose to make sure it was, you know, still. It was kind of taken out of our hands whether we needed a win, lose, or a draw. To make sure that we but, didn't fuck it up. Yeah, but um, Marshall for that goal. I mean, we've been quite. I'm loath to be critical of Marshall because obviously he's he's played at the highest level, club and countries, achieved a hell of a lot of success. But for me, this season, he just seems to be, as the season goes on, he seems to be getting worse. And I will obviously counter that with the fact that he did make three outstanding saves um, in the second half. However, that doesn't make up for the fact that the first goal was an absolute howler. Um, I know Nisbet kind of jumps out of the way, so you can attribute blame to Nisbet initially for 
when you watch deeply, it's almost like he thinks it's going wide, so he moves his body away from it. Um, but a keeper of Mal- uh, Marshall's calibre, Liam, shouldn't be losing a goal like that. He goes down in instalments, doesn't he? Mm. So, I I was shocked when I when I seen it go in. I was thinking, how's that even went in? It mm. looked like a P-roller. Really. It was. <laughs> it was. Oh, I I don't know. I don't know. Like like you said, I think Marshall has been really good for us. I think as the season pans out, eyes he's making a couple of mistakes here and there, but generally. I think Marshall has been, well, one, a major improvement on Matt Macy. Uh, and two, I think he's been a half-decent goalie for us this season. Aye, what is he now, what, 39? 40, yeah, so he's, he does, the, the, the one thing I would say to that is that he does have one of the lowest uh, shot-save percentages in the league. So he concedes more often than he should. Yeah, but then at the same time, I think, it's a team effort. You can't just blame Marshall mm. for every goal. I, th- I think we've been more assured with him in the goal than we would have been with Matt Macy. And it might just be because of who David Marshall is and who we expected David Marshall to be. But in my opinion, I think we've made a, a big upgrade on what I we think had last the, season. The reason for that is probably because, first of all, his distribution, I think, is incredible. His distribution of the ball is second to none. Um, second of all, I think he's more commanding I think you can tell he's a captain. You know, he's he's more dominant. He controls his area, things like that. He he shouts instructions and whatnot. Where I think Matt Macy was a wee bit more quiet, yeah. um, timid. Aye, that's the word. Um, I think he's a good shot stopper at times. He, he's funny. He lets the easy ones in, and he tends to save the more difficult ones, which isn't what you want in a keeper. Um, but I do think he's got a mistake in him. Even before he came, I she seen that mistake at the Euros when he was basically at the halfway line and got lobbed. So I think he's just one of these keepers that seems to have a bit of a mistake in him. But I think overall, can he be too upset, you know, considering he's, what, 39 or whatever he is. Thing is, and done as well as are, he we, are we going to get an awful lot better than than David Marshall? He's Scotland International, oh, ex-Scotland International. Very, very good goalie. You know, we've maybe just got him a season too late. Well, maybe. that's what I was going to ask. Would... Looking at like we're not going to talk too much about next season yet because obviously we've still a lot to play for. But would the goalkeeping position be something that you'd be looking to strengthen over the summer, not to give Marshall like cover? Because that's what I what I think he suffered from this season is having someone that can push him mm-hmm. performance wise. I mean, we brought in obviously Ryan Schofield from Huddersfield, who was who's one of these keepers who just makes a career out of jobbing and being a number two. Um, Murray Johnson <clears throat> is very, very highly rated, but obviously it's quite difficult to picture an 18-year-old keeper with six first-team games under his belt at this stage of the season. So what I think he's suffered from is, like, where I, I feel um, Hearts will probably benefit next season when Crane Gordon's fit again, is having someone like Xander Clark with him. Now, I don't particularly rate Clark as an amazing keeper. Like, he's nowhere near the levels of Gordon. But he's shown for Hearts when he's came in that he can he can step in for him, whereas we've not had that. It's so, about keeping two good keepers happy though, because yeah. you know we saw it when we had mind when we had Maxwell and not I'm not saying that Maxwell was a good goalie because I thought he was absolutely rank rotten, but Maxwell and Marciano and they were kind of in and out, both of them, um, and it, it really didn't benefit the team at all. 
But on the other side of the coin, you know, for the couple of games that we had Scott Bain come in all those years ago, I felt that pushed Marciano to then be a much better goalie for those couple of games. I thought he put in some outstanding performances and folk were starting to doubt him before we had Scott Bain. Well, we went through that wee spell as well, didn't we, with Marciano and Bogdan. And the I think they sort of, there was a spell where maybe Marciano played eight, nine games in a row, had a poor game. Bogdan was in for eight, nine games in a row. And we've, it felt like we were really, really strong in that area. The two goalies that are of similar-ish calibre, mm-hmm. similar experience, similar attributes. I just feel that where where we've suffered this season has not been anybody like Marshall's he's come in at thirty nine, he's been made club captain. Like he's effectively undroppable. And I don't know, Mark, I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody in, in the team should be undroppable, captain or not, age or not, experience or not. Yeah, I think it causes I think it'll even not just in the game, but in training as well. It'll maybe cause him to slack off a little bit in training, knowing fine well that if he has a bad week in training, he's still going to be in the number one spot because there's nobody there. Yep. So if he's getting pushed in training and getting pushed on game day, I think it does improve you. I, I do agree that I'm not a fan of rotating keepers. I think you need to have, I think defence and keeper, you need to have a very similar lineup every single week because they need to communicate with each other, they need to keep the shape and whatnot. But I do think having a number one coming into the team as number two, if that makes sense, would be better so that you can push them. Don't want to just sign another keeper that's specifically there to be the number two and only come in if something catastrophic happens to, to Marshall. I think Hearts have got it right because Craig Gordon's, what, 39 or whatever, and they've brought in Xander Clark, who's, like I said, a number one, but in the number two position. So that thing when is, Gordon the, does eventually hang it up, he can just slot right in. I think that's something similar that we need to do. That's probably what they've pitched it to Xander Clark as, because mm. if Craig Gordon and Xander Clark were similar ages, probably struggle to get Xander Clark in to agree to be the number two. Ah, exactly. I mean, he, they, he's probably been told that, you know, Gordon's maybe only got a year or two left in him. And then after that, you're going to be the number one. It's maybe the, the same sort of approach that we should take for getting a... You know, like you said, Mark, a number one in as a number two, basically, like, like Marshall's apprentice. You know I mean, exactly. Aye. well, for one veteran to another, um, Lewis Stevenson scored his grand total tenth goal for the club. Um, once again, I mean, he followed on for the derby as well. The thing is, with, with Stevenson, and I was reading, there was an article. Uh, Patrick McParland done an article earlier on for the evening news about why giving Stevenson a new contract is a complete no-brainer. Um, and something that came across was that in his 18 years as a profession, so this is his 18th season, he's only ever missed 20 games through injury. That's bonkers. So other games he's, he's either been on the bench or he's not been in the squad or whatever, but through actually being unavailable injury-wise, it's it's 20 games. That's absolute like, madness. Like that's that's just what just over a game a season through injury, and I think the I think that was was that no maybe the last season or the season before the when we finished third he was out for maybe four or five weeks with a calf injury. Um, once again we keep hearing, oh why are we still playing Stevenson and Hanlon? Why are we still playing Stevenson and Hanlon? And I think you can see Stevenson can be trusted. Stevenson, an 18-year-old, 35-year-old, about to turn 36, 
never gives you anything less than 100%. Like, there's a lot of shirkers and shite bags that have played for Hibs over the years, and Lou Stevenson would never, for me, fall into that category. No. Um, and even with, obviously, his long-term partner beside him, Paul Hanlon, I think you can see since Porch has left, not that this is a dig at Porch's, but the fact that it's been settled by Paul Hanlon and Will Fish in the centre-back areas, that Will Fish's game seems to be coming on a lot more as well. And I don't think that's any coincidence. The fact that he's playing alongside somebody that's like Paul, who has had his detractors over the years, rightly or wrongly. Um, but for me, they'll be the club will be a lot worse off when those two aren't appearing in a green and white jersey anymore. Yep. I think not even just on the pitch, but around the ground, they're two I mean I can it's everyone says it, but they're they're two proper Hibs men and they know what it's like to play for Hibs and there's not an awful lot of that in the squad at the moment. Uh, not really in, in many teams, to be honest, but you know, you think other than um other than Stevenson and Hanlon, it's maybe just Campbell who's a proper a proper Hibs man. But no, I think when they do come to hang the boots up, it's they will be missed. Especially like when Derby Day comes round, you know, and they are able to then lift it and another another gear or two just to to kind of match the the supporter inside them. <laughs> is it maybe uh, about time? Is it maybe about time we stopped saying it's poor recruitment that we've never replaced Lewis Stevenson and maybe just acknowledge that? Well, he's been look a, at he's look been at an how unbelievable many, servant to the club. Like he's, how he's many closing managers, in. He's how closing many managers in. have been? Well, you're going back to what Mowbray gave him his debut. So every manager we've had since Mowbray. So why is why is none of these managers trying to get rid of him? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. And if he's like, never been good enough, why is he? How's he lasted? What is it? Eighteen seasons. Eighteen. I seasons. think as how, well. How's he lasted? Remember is that, that like everything that we've just talked about? You know, he's a Hibs man and all that, and he's consistent. I think he's an absolute pro as well. Him and Paul Hanlon. You know, they're in brilliant shape. They're, you'd never see them in the newspapers. You'd never see them up the town causing trouble or anything like that. They're family men. You know, that's the kind of influence that you want to hover in the dressing room, especially because we've got such a talented crop of players coming through. If they look up, the, the first people that they're going to be looking up to is Paul Hanlon and Lewis Stevenson, you know, Mr Hibbs. So they're looking up to them and saying, you know, family men, proper pros, great shape. That's what we need in the club. And I think that Paul Hanlon is, for me, still one of the best players at the club. He's been absolutely brilliant, especially since Portis left. I think Lewis Stevenson, yes, he's had these doubters. I don't. I probably wouldn't have him starting every week. But I, I think certainly think is a much less forgiving position for someone who's getting on so so much. You know, for the age that he is, the amount of pace that he's probably lost will not help him. I still think he's reliable. He can come he sure in is. when there's injuries, you know, when we've, we've, if we've got a left-back in that's maybe injured, he can always come in and he'll always do a job, which is sometimes what you need. Sometimes you don't need a player that gives you 10 out of 10 every week. You need some players in that squad that are just going to give you a 7 or an 8 every single week. And I think actually that's probably what Hibs have missed this season. We're either a 10 or we're a 4. We need yep. more boys in that team that's going to provide seven, eight out of ten every single week. And that's, for me, what Stevenson provides. When you get that as well, I think it helps the other players around you to then play a little bit better, maybe play a little bit more trust, trust in as well. You know, if you're playing in front of Lewis Stevenson, you know that chances are if you lose the ball by trying something a little bit different on the wing, 
and it's a one-on-one Lewis Stevenson against the winger, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, Lewis Stevenson's going to come out with the ball or, you know, if Paul Hanlon's coming across the cover. I think having name in, this, in the team certainly allows the other players to then... It's, it sounds weird because it's they're no, obviously, like... I don't think either of them are, you know, incredible, incredible football players. But the fact that they do their jobs, they do them well, and they do them consistently allows the rest of the team to then play. Yeah, and I don't think when you look at the sort of the most two recent players that have came through and went on to bigger and better things, and Josh Doig and, and Ryan Porches, that, you know, Lewis was almost Josh Doig's mentor. And when he got the move, Josh Doig couldn't speak highly enough of Lewis Stevenson. Um, almost to the point where Stevenson felt embarrassed by saying, no, like, it was nothing to do with me. It was all him. And then even by, you know, by uh, Paul playing alongside Ryan for all those years, that I don't think it can be talked down how important that influence would be on the pair of them. Um, so I, I'm I'm very much in the give Stevenson another contract, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a transitional deal like McGregor, like you say, Mark. Um, possibly looking at limiting his first team involvement from next season. If he's still performing at the levels that he is, though, I don't see why we would need to, because just because he's 36, we've seen with players that can go into their 40s now and they'll see a negative impact on it. But I uh, got his 10th goal for Hibs. He's not scored many. Every goal he seems to score. Every goal he seems to score is a peach. Um, Other than that, the the only contentious one I'll have against is the one against Rangers, because the keeper should have saved it. Like it was right at him, and he had popped on wrist, so it wasn't it wasn't that great. But we are. It was still a good goal though. Since since the inception of the ramble, we have been very much on the Paul Hanlon and Lewis Stevenson hype train, and it's nice to see that others are now catching up. (laughs) <laughs> and decided to maybe change their views um, based on that. So, I, well, the top six, obviously we made the top six. We're not going to go into too much detail with it because, one, we've got quite a few questions this week about it, so we'll cover it in that, but we're going to do a big sort of season review up until the split and then a rest of the season preview uh, with the four of us when Sean rejoins us next week so we'll just move on to the listener questions because i know we've got quite a few this week now it's time to answer the hip ramble listener questions we sure do have a lot and i'm going to go through them because they're on my phone here and i'm going to try and find john's one first because most importantly we'll need to find out what's what we're having for our tea right we'll start with john if we don't get europe does johnson have to go or has the Derby winning top six saved his job? What's for T as well? For me, for me, I put it on Twitter on the after the game on Saturday that I don't feel like celebrating getting top six. I don't think that's an achievement that should be celebrated. I feel like that is the absolute bare bare minimum. Um, granted, getting fifth will get us some form of European competition, um, but. I think rather than the top six, I think the Derby wins, given given Johnson a bit more time. As we've spoke, we're quite, um, you know, and it's no down to the fact that we've we've done a podcast with Johnson. We just didn't want to be as reactionary as other supporters out there. We can see, we've seen in spells what 
he's trying to implement. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works with the new recruitment structure going forward. But now nah, I think he's I think he's fine in his role, regardless of whether we make Europe or not. No, I agree. I said in a previous pod, and I'll reiterate it, the fact that we need stability at this point, and it's something that other clubs are under. So that our main competitors, you would say, for European football will always be Aberdeen and Hearts. You might get a wee surprise package like I suppose similar in this season, but ultimately that's our competitors. Hearts have just sacked their manager. You've no idea who they're going to bring in, what recruitment policy they're going to have, what style they're going to be. And it's the same with Aberdeen. Look, Aberdeen have been really good since they got rid of their manager, but for me that's always going to be temporary. It shows that those players can down tools off easily. So Robson, they'll throw him under the bus just like they threw Goodwin under the bus. And if they get a new manager in, which I don't think they will do, again, you, you don't know what the players are going to do. We are the only ones at the moment with any sort of stability. So give Johnson another summer window. Let's see what else he can bring in. That means we'll be, what, a year, 18 months ahead of these other clubs that are around us. Yep. Potentially, you know, that'll put us in the running for third next season, all going well. Um, I just don't think we can keep sacking managers for no other reason other than we've had a bit of a poor season or a poor run. We need to have a wee bit of stability and a bit of consistency. And I think, yeah, I, I think we should give him a chance, see what he can do. Yeah, I'm going to be funny, right? I hope someone types that up, puts it into a print, frames it and puts it on the wall because that is the best take I've heard this season. <laughs> I do think as well that you, can, you'll hear Fulton won about no finishing third and no getting the group stages because then it'll allow Hearts, and, uh, Hearts to pull further forward. They were in the group stages this season and they're nowhere near further forward. Exactly. Aberdeen, Aberdeen uh, so if you look at the league table, the now, everybody is almost where they should be. Hearts have got the third biggest budget, Aberdeen have got the fourth biggest budget, we've got the fifth biggest budget. So if yeah. we end the season in fifth, we've actually performed well. Just when you think fine. about it, we've, we've met expectations. Um, so I, I don't, I don't buy that. We've seen it after um, Hearts got sort of knocked out of Europe that they're just, they, and, and I said this on a previous pod that their spell will come. I don't know when it will come, but it's not hit them yet. And what it seems as if is that they've, what the annoying thing is, is that they've hit their shitty spell and Aberdeen have went on that upward trajectory after sacking Goodwin. And I agree with Mark completely. Like, it's all fine and well Robson getting a tune out of this team when it's not his players, but you can almost guarantee that they'll sell Duke in the summer. Like, somebody will pick him up. There's yeah. a good chance Miofsky will go. Robson has no experience of recruitment. So what are they going to do? They're going to put him back down to the under twenties and then bring in somebody completely new. What are Hearts going to do? Wants they... to get rid of mayor of the players and yeah, there's not more. going to be a chance. There's not a chance in hell that Naismith gets the Hearts job. So then, what do they do? Would they potentially look at somebody like Stephen Robinson? But then Stephen Robinson excels at these smaller clubs and helping them punch above their weight. How is he going to cope? Do you know what I mean? There's so many. So many added layers to it, whereas we so many moving parts that yeah we've got the manager in place. Possible. We've got the manager in place. He's got a year's experience within Scottish football. I think that'll be good for him because I think we've spoken about at times that he's maybe underestimated certain elements of the league, despite the fact he played up here. Um, so I I'm very much stick stick with Johnson and see how it goes, especially with this recruitment model that we're going to have because it seems like there's going to be more than just the director of football coming in Yeah. Um, and I don't actually know what I'm having for my tea don't Mark, know what are you having for your tea? I've no idea, sorry I have, 
I have still got a sausage and bean bake. Be freezing. I might scram it or a better cold. Oh, no, a sausage bean and cheese melt is rank cold. No. Yeah, get a grip, Craig. Greg's. There we go. There's a question for you then. How do you prefer your Greg's, hot or cold? Looks warm. warm. Just warm. No. Just look warm. Yeah, it's got to be warm. I think I'm having a Burger King tonight, Ponty. We're living uh, day to day. We're not doing a big (laughs) shop because uh, the wee man's going to be here soon. So we're like, oh, well, if we're going to a big shop, then everyone's going to be out of date. By the time we get around to eating it, so we had a chippy last night. I'm getting a, I'm getting a Burger King tonight. So I tell you what, it's some way to live. You didn't some get way. that belly building Lego McLean though. Listen, <laughs> I'm an athlete. I'm going to get a Whopper actually. I've never had a Whopper before in my life. Nah, XL bacon double cheeseburger is the only only option. Have burger. you ever had a Whopper? No, because I always get an XL double cheeseburger. Do you so like Burger you... King is the ultimate airport food? I can't remember last time I had a Burger King when it was outside of an airport. Yeah, Burger King is good. And Burger King's always better when it's abroad. Oh, like that time madness. in MAGA. <laughs> oh, no, that's so bad. Oh, me, Mark, were standing in a fried egg. <laughs> me, Mark, were in, uh, with a Magaloo with the boys. And we went uh, went to a Burger King just before we came back from a night out. And must have spent like 70 euros. And this Burger King got more or less everything on the menu. <laughs> We got back to the room, took a couple of bites and spewed. <laughs> and I then, lying next to this half-eaten burger, right? In the middle was a half-eaten fried egg and I immediately spewed. <laughs> and we, were, we woke up and there was all chips in that. It was like a big a big sacrificial ritual. A big Burger King wrappers and all it. it was fucking disgusting. It was disgusting. Never again. Well, uh, your team, Mark, did you answer that? Aye, I don't know what I'm having. I'll need to wait till she gets home. Ah, same. Fair dues. Right, next up is... We're grown men and we can't make any decisions (laughs) for ourselves. (laughs) Uh, Next up is Hibs US. Is top six mission accomplished for the season uh, or should we start building for next or should we try and fight for third? And this was sent in four days ago. So I think that is uh, maybe... Uh, I think third is maybe out of our reach now. We're not going to make third. Not a chance. Nah. I'd be delighted with fourth. I'd be really, really happy with fourth. I still think fourth is maybe a little bit touch and go. Uh, we'd need to definitely win every game apart from the old firm, really, that we wouldn't really be able to afford to lose to Aberdeen, St Murna. Well, what, Hearts, Hearts are what, four points ahead of us? Yeah. So you'd need to think that by the first game of the split, that could be down to one, because you'd expect us to beat St Murna at home. You'd, and expect, well, you'd them so. to, expect them to lose. Especially if Celtic can Celtic. The league there. Yeah. I don't think we'll win any of the games in the split other than somewhere <laughs> at home, to be honest. I can't, I can't see us beating Aberdeen at Pataudry or Hearts at Tincastle, and I don't think we'll beat the old firm, so fifth will do. I guess we're in, a, we're in quite an, an, enviable, uh, an enviable position, though, because we there's actually no pressure on us. Like, there's no pressure no, on us or something. Yeah, there's pressure on... I, I don't think there's so much pressure on Aberdeen because I think their gap at the moment is too big and I don't think Hearts are capable or they've got the they've got the gonads... Oh, so there's no pressure on anyone then, Craig? No, but what I mean is Aberdeen have got Hearts... I don't think Hearts can do it, but they know that Hearts are there breathing down their neck. Hearts and then in turn know that we're breathing down their neck. 
So yeah, no, it's it's one of those one of those weird ones where it's almost a case of they've been battling for third all season. We've been kind of swimming in the, the shallow end with our armbands on trying to make the top six. And we managed to get there. We did. Right, next up, Gab Dick. I've not proofread it yet. Oh, great. So I'm seeing it for the same time. Eh, for the first time at, at the same time as you. Ref was shocking today, especially with the red for Jago. Very disappointing performance today. But what would your ratings be of this season? I'd say, in my opinion, it's probably 5 out of 10. And everything is spelt correctly. Incredible. Phil stops, stops yeah. in the right areas, right capitalisation. Well, I mean, that. you don't capitalise and make full stops. No, so, yeah, so he's, he's all over the joint. Cheers, guys. No, but you didn't do that in your tweets, so... Yes, I do. You do not. I do. You do not put full stops at the end of your tweets, you fucking bam. I do. You do not. I'm going to look at your Twitter right now. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll do the sort of ratings on... Uh, I believe, I think we're going to try and record on Sunday, so it's out for the bank holiday Monday. Um, so we'll get our sort of own ratings and our own reviews and that done of the season. Um, but I'd probably be, without going into too much of it, I'd probably be about a five, five and a half, touching a six. That's not got a full stop at the end. I never said at the end. I meant during it, though, to split the sentences up. Well, you did do that. Yeah, I know. You did say at the end, though. Oh, this, one's, this one's not got a full stop at the end. <laughs> this one's not got a full stop at the end. That's plenty. This one's got a clown at the end. <clears throat> that was for you. Not a full stop. Snooker is middle class. Right, we're kind of getting off topic here. I would agree. I think because it's been such a roller coaster season, I would say a five. I'd say a five and a six, I think. Because I think when we when we speak about if we go into like the cup campaigns and that that'll probably determine yeah. a different kind of score. But league campaign, I probably say about a five. Yeah, I think it, especially if we finish fifth with the fifth biggest budget, I think you've just got to give it a five six somewhere. Why? The thing that I don't understand, right? Everyone keeps saying we've got the fifth biggest budget, but why is that? Why have we only got the fifth biggest budget? I can kind of understand because Hearts have just had the European money. But how come Aberdeen have got a bigger budget than us? Hospitality, their corporate is... Or oh, do you think it's maybe a comfort blanket for us? I got told that their hospitality is absolutely shite compared to ours. It is, but they sell it out every single week and they've got multiple corporate suites as well. And they've got uh, Dave Cormack who just pumps money into them. Mm. And then the Hearts, obviously, they've got the, the Foundation of Hearts and that, which gives them a... A boost. So maybe we... it's about time we start to buck up our ideas and start to generate some money then, because we should not have the fifth biggest budget in Scotland. Well, that's where the whole, the pioneer stuff we're on and the um, big screens and the electronic advertising that to generate more income. I think we've we've spoken about before that the club commercially is in a whole better place um, under Ron than it ever was. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all works out and then I suppose in the next 12 months when the figures come out because Hearts will get the boost for Europe and then you'll think Aberdeen are more than likely going to get it as well yeah unless fucking Falkirk or Inverness can win the cup that'd be a lot imagine eh imagine I'd fucking hate it if Falkirk won the cup aye I hate Falkirk yeah uh, right Keith Robertson's got a got a trio of questions um, he asks could we have witnessed Stevenson's last goal for Hibs and I think it's a very, very high possibility that we might have. 
You could play because on the five if, seasons. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope um, not. He also says, should Marshall have saved the overhead kick? I felt he should have, as it didn't look to have a lot of power behind. We discussed that earlier. I don't think that it was a, it wasn't really a, a great connection from Stevie May. I think he should have saved it, to be honest. But I'm not a professional goalie, so definitely should have saved it. And he also asks, has Lee Johnson secured his job for next season? And if you ask me, Lee Johnson secured his job for next season ages ago. So yeah, I think even if he had finished bottom six. And would have been beaten in the derby. I think there would have been a whole lot more pressure on him, but I still think he would have survived it. Yeah. Uh, now we've got a couple of talking points. Andrew Monroe says, take the referee badge off that clown. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Mate, how skinny is he as well, eh? There's a reason why he's never he's never officiated a Celtic or a Rangers game. He's always been absolutely humming when he's done Hibs. Could you imagine a decision like that on Saturday in the old firm? It started greeting. Yeah. It? He, last season he officiated uh, Hibs v St. Johnson at Easter Road. And there was, was a that when he sent off Jamie McCart? I think he only gave a yellow card. Cammy McPherson for a tackle in the middle. Oh, uh, aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrendous challenge. Goes, yeah. Ten times worse and he's gave a yellow. So I would like to sit him down and ask, what has changed in the last 12 months? The only thing that I could imagine is what you touched on earlier, McLean, though, is that he's given a red in the hope that VAR intervenes, but the fact that he's given that even one a then, yellow when it's a blatant red. Even then, like, the referee should be confident enough in their ability to then make a decision instead of having to rely on VAR to make the decision for them. It's, it's incredible. I, say, I mean, you say there's a reason he wouldn't want to do a, or he's not been chosen to do a Celtic Rangers game, but Fuck referee the Celtic Rangers game, by the way. Right. I'd be I'd be so scared. Scared for my life. Uh, Jamie's saying that red card with this emoji. Uh, Jago wins the ball with a clear touch. And I think that has been, you know, absolutely dumbfounded by uh, the appeals process and stuff. And what James Kennedy said, is it worth appealing the red card? Answer yes. I'd say yes. I'd say I think there's a high chance that it'll get demoted to a yellow. I can guarantee you right now that that will get demoted to a yellow if we appeal that decision. Yeah, I agree. What I will, what I will say on it is quite laughable. That, um, so did you see the uh, Dermot Gallagher on Sky Sports News? Oh, my, didn't even get me started about. on that. So he is not to be trusted because he talks in a weird, fake English accent, despite the fact he's full-blown Irish. Um, and, and then you've got Alan Ruff, who clearly had... Oh, he's a, a dinosaur of, as well. Had a fat There's no... <laughs> ones, it, it says a lot, right, that um, <laughs> Thomas, Thomas McManus can be sitting on a couch and not be the biggest slavering piece of shite on that said couch. Not be the biggest bellend on the couch. Did you see his tweet? It was hilarious. I'm Somebody said... <laughs> Why is Harry Styles in the Edinburgh Derby on the same day? And he quoted it saying it must be a sign of the times. <laughs> Dan McManus said that. I thought that was tremendous pattern, by the way. <laughs> he said satellite's a sign of the times. Um, and Stuart Dougal as well. Going, going through it. Like, like you, you'll be too young to remember Stuart Dougal. He was a former referee. 
I remember but Charlie I, Richmond. He was a fuck. Their, their, their opinions are clearly wrong. Well, maybe they should have a listen to this podcast and they would get right opinions. It's fuckers like that that drain Scottish football. Pure dinosaurs, man. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, next up, Jack Hibbs has said, should Lewis Stevenson get a new contract? One word. Yes, Mark. Yep. See. That's that sorted. Um, Roddy Scott, can Hibbs get third place and a, Euro- and a European place this season? I think we can get fourth. I think third is maybe out of our reach now. Yeah, third's fourth, definitely I'd, I'd be absolutely delighted before but if we finish fifth and um Celtic Rangers win the cup then do you know why I'd be delighted with fourth because it would mean that hearts are fifth or sixth yeah true yeah I suppose and that would be hilarious yeah that would be fun still we'd still both end up getting knocked out in the Bulgarian plumbing 11 however it would be hilarious to see their summer prolonged meltdown Especially with us being the, the last game of the season. Yeah, that would be funny. It would be some laugh in that away game as well. Exactly. But, well, usually the team does a lap of honour at the end of the game. So if we were to win that, or even draw it to seal fourth, that would be... Uh, oh, Denny, because I'm actually getting a bit horny. That would be content. Yeah, that would be class. Um, next up, Haley says, I take a head knock and endangering an opponent is no longer a booking. I'm not too sure what... I think it's maybe in referring to here. CJ when CJ got knocked. Oh yes, yes, I do remember half. that. And then, so aye, so Egan Riley got knocked out, and then Lee Johnson got booked. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Lee know, I, and Craig I actually. thought that should have been a red card, in my professional opinion. Oh, the Did you see the incident? So I can't comment on it. But <clears> I agree. He flung his elbow, didn't he? I think he led with the elbow, but he didn't necessarily. It's a fucking joke. Um, James Kinneberg again says, where do I apply to become a ref or linesman to add some Hibs bias into things? Fair well, well, James, if you're unbelievably shite at your job, which I hope you're not, because as Hibernians, we hold ourselves to a higher standard than that. Um, just make sure you're unbelievably shite at everything that you do. Um, and you should get hired as an SFA official. <laughs> Make sure you're a fucking virgin and all. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you're built like a Sparry's kneecap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Willie Collin must be like the benchmark, eh, for referees built. <laughs> uh, we weedy virgins. <laughs> uh, Lewis Connor, one of the worst refereeing displays I've ever seen. Never a red card. That aside, stunning goal from Stevenson and should get a contract extension again. Everything that we've that we've spoke about so far. These people that comment and ask us questions on our Twitter just have the highest of football and IQs, really, don't they? They know their soccer ball, that's that's They absolutely know the soccer. Kevin Swan. I said to my mate before the game that Napier would make a rash and controversial decision at some point. He loves it. And what was with the drop ball? Hibbs corner cleared to Lewis, Saints head injury, game stop restarted with their keeper same thing happened to Livy I remember seeing that actually and um, it was a bit I was like what's going yeah, on yeah I'm not quite sure what's happening with that and I think Cliff Pike whispered it into the microphone <laughs> clip, <laughs> that he wasn't too sure what was going on <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll tell you what Cliff Pike some boy man tell, he commentates like he's telling you a secret 
Mm. Can we get Cliff Pike on the podcast? Cliff, you're <laughs> watching. Please come on as a special yeah. guest. Oh, so funny, man. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, and then he's attached the uh, the game that you were talking about earlier on, Craig, that um, the challenge from McPherson on whoever it was. I, I don't actually know who it was. I'm not clicking on the video. Um, but it was like, how's that only a yellow if the Jago one's a red? Yeah. Again, it's just a... It's, it's the inconsistency that, that kills the referees and it's the, that makes the everything look so much worse. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got Harvey Scott. Should Craig Napier stay as far away from Easter Road as possible? But seriously, if we appeal this red card decision and it gets overturned, consistency goes out the window. Just exactly what we've spoken about. I mean, you look at the Graham Shinney one, I think that is one that, however many times you look at it, you'll see something a little bit different. What's a red? I think, like, I don't understand the issue with that. Like, that's a red card. I think that was a red card as well. Yeah. All these Aberdeen fans coming out complaining because the red card got overturned for us, but not for them. I don't know what they're talking about because theirs was yeah. a red card, ours wasn't. So, yeah. get back in your danger. Shh. <laughs> Go on then, Mark. Go on then. I'll keep it clean. <laughs> uh, Jeff Ashton. Now the delayed fixtures are out, TV schedule, etc. Couple of points. One. How many points do you think we'll manage? I'm going for nine with a fallback of three. I'll tell you what that is. Optimistic. Um, two, this TV scheduling highlights again what Sky Sports think of Scottish football, which is very little outside the old firm. I made uh, that point, actually. They've, so they've not got an Edinburgh derby. Mm-hmm. They're not covering so the race for third, fourth, Hearts and Aberdeen. They're not covering anything to do with the bottom six either. Two of their and there's games, great there's great games going two on in the bottom games six. Are Rangers at home to Hearts and us at home to Rangers? Like what is the what is the fucking point? I seen surely, I seen a surely us going to Tynecastle on the last day of the season to potentially go fourth. As bo- I know I know there's a the whole thing with the trophy presentation for for Celtic Park and that. But like even have it on the red button. Yeah, no, I mean, I, have I, I don't Have ever given the red button and let folk watch it. Whereas now, all that's going to happen is that Hearts are going to charge thirteen quid for pay per view again. I only saw. Be... Sorry, Mark. I actually saw a tweet um, from one of the St Mirren podcasts <clears> saying <throat> that there hasn't been a game, um, a game involving St Mirren and not one of the old firm shown live on Sky Sports since like 2011 and it's their first time in the top six for however yeah. many years and the fact that they could also finish in a European spot I think it's disrespectful to be honest to not even consider because I, I bet you there, there'll be people looking at Scottish football going oh St Mirren have had a cracker of a season I'd love to watch one of their games in the run and see if they can manage it. Like how people have been watching Wrexham. Well, how often would you be on a Sunday afternoon, right, scrolling through scrolling through the channels and you see, or not even a Sunday, like say a, a Premier League free weekend, and you see Plymouth are playing fucking Walsall. And mm. you're like, oh, I'll, I'll stick that on. Yeah. Like, do they, people seem to think that English folk wouldn't do that for Scottish football, but there will be. There'll be people out there like us who just enjoy watching football. So I think it's on. really disrespectful as well. And I mean, also, the Scottish, uh, the Scottish football Twitter is the only one not to have a a verified tick. 
Sky Sports, Sky right, Sports. do not give a fuck about Scottish football. They don't care about the running for Europe. They don't care about the relegation battle. The only thing that they care about is how many eyeballs are on the screen. And the only time that they're going to get a decent amount of viewers is Rangers player. I reckon, this is a total guess, but I reckon Rangers playing St Mirren away from home probably would get more viewers on Sky Sports than the Edinburgh Derby. I no. think. I think it would. It doesn't. It would because globally, I think Sky, I think Rangers have got that bigger draw that it probably would get more viewers, and I think that's why Sky, there must be a reason why Sky Sports have only shown or only basically shown the old one. They are part of the problem in Scottish football along with the SFA. the The contract that they've offered us, I think, is one of the lowest in the whole of Europe. I think we're below like fucking Bulgaria and shit for how much yeah. they actually pay for rights. And the fact that they've only picked these games and not shown the Edinburgh Derby, it shows that they do not care about Scottish football. The only thing they care about is how many viewers they actually get. You look at whenever we've had a contract with somebody like Satanta or BT, BT The or, BT one was really good. BT, they, they do real coverage. They they start the game, uh, they start the coverage probably an hour before kickoff and they do a proper deep dive into it. Sky Sports, I think, sometimes starts the game, starts the coverage five minutes before kickoff. The half that the pundits yeah. are shit. Especially when Celtic and Rangers are on the plane, you look. Um, I think uh, the last time I watched Hibs on Sky Sports, uh, a game that wasn't involved in Celtic or Rangers or Hearts or anything, it was the Motherwell one. Mark, when me and you were in London, we watched it after we were coming back up from the races. And I mean, they've not even got themselves a proper studio. They're just standing at the side of the pitch. They're, the the build-up is fifteen minutes. If you're lucky, yeah. I, 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 honestly, it's it's a joke. And then you compare it to something like I don't know if you've seen what um, Apple have done with the MLS, but it's like it's com- it's like wall to wall deep dive coverage. Like this is where I think that see if they did go down, which I, they should have considered as partnering with if they were interested, Apple, Amazon, things like that, and doing a proper. Because I would, I'd sit and watch it. Oh, here's a retro game for the 70s, Dundee United against Aberdeen with Alex Ferguson and Jim McLean. I'd sit and watch that. I'd, I'd, I love Scottish football as a whole. And I would enjoy, like, I enjoy any sort of content that comes out from it. And yeah. I think that by doing this deal with Sky, where we're effectively relegated to being on par with, like, League one and two, like even the pre- presentation, like if an EFL game starts, it's the same intro package for an SPFL game. There's nothing to sort of differentiate. Whereas obviously Sky Sport, uh, the Premier League gets the full, um, can the whole different level of production value when the games are getting introduced. And the way that they cover it as well just brings back that. I don't want to call it a stereotype, but just that that whole thing that the only thing up in Scotland is the old farm. Because imagine if you're down south, right, and you're flicking through it. Every single time you see a Scottish game on telly, it's always involving the old farm. You check the Sky Sports app, the Edinburgh Derby's on. What's actually on the telly? Oh, it's fucking Rangers v St Mirren or Celtic v someday. Like, obviously you're going to be like, well, uh, it's because the old farm dominates Scottish football, which they do. Of course they do trophies-wise, but... See if they started giving coverage to more teams and actually showing more of the league. It would open up more avenues, I think, and they're just not doing it. Like I said, they don't they don't care at all about yeah. Scottish football, not in the slightest. No. Absolutely agree. Um, 
Billy is up next. And he says, if I buy Liam a pie maker and he can stick any filling in the world in it, what pie is he making? Now, I've seen this question earlier on and I've been thinking about it all day. I've seen it and I'm refusing to answer it and I'm actually Well, he's not, ask, he's not asking you anyway. Yeah, that's, that's so, what I mean. He's, he should have asked you directly rather than ask the podcast Twitter because it's completely excluded me and Mark for this conversation. Well, Mark, would you like to... To Mark, answer as well. Stand in solidarity. Thank you. Thanks, right. Mark. <laughs> we stand with Craig Leach. <laughs> I was oh, thinking about this earlier on, and I'm trying to think of like logistics and stuff. But could you have like so Ken, how you get like calzones and that? You're not asking for our opinion, then we're not Do you think, this. No, but I'm trying to say as a in a logistical way. A, cal- a calzone pie. Not like a calzone pie, but like the inner workings of a calzone. In the crust of a pie. Do you think that would work? You basically, just depending on what your calzone is, you just basically described a kebab pie. No, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be kebab anyway. No, but well, like, whatever whatever your filling would be, you just put yeah. it on the lid, and there you go. That you've just taken away the the pizza, and you've put it in a pie. That's what I would do. And he also follows it up because he put, in, he put in our group chat. That he was eating a kebab, a, a kebab pie at 11 o'clock in the morning the other day, and I said that it's a disgrace. Mark, I can tell by your face that you absolutely agree with me. That's like people who crack open a can of juice, a fizzy can of juice at like 9 in the morning. Yeah, that's I'm in the office like and that. I see somebody coming in with a can of Monster or a can of full-fat Coke and drinking that at 9 in the morning, I look at them as if they're a piece of dirt, which they are. <laughs> Craig's one of them, eh? You're one of them, Craig, I can tell. Uh, I'm a, when I'm in the office, I'm a monster cracker. Oh, for Christ's sake. The amount of sugar in that at such an early time, you'll have... Is well like, needed. You'll have a mullet grown on those teeth, by the way, if you have that amount of sugar at that early I'll tell you what, it's well needed. I t- no, but also, kebab pies at 11 o'clock in the morning is... I had a McDonald's at 20 past 11 yesterday morning, so I'm not one to judge on that either. Well, McDonald's breakfast I would have early, but an actual... No, I, I had a full... <laughs> what did you have? The McCrispy chips and a double it's cheeseburger. 20 past 11, you fat fuck. I was literally looking at my phone waiting for it to hit 11 so I could order it because the breakfast menu would go off and the <laughs> normal menu came out. I was absolutely fucking starving. Why would well, you not just get a be... breakfast? Would you fresh then? I didn't want a McMuffin. Last time I had a McMuffin, it was rotten. I, I like a McMuffin, eh? Oh, I, I absolutely adore them. Oh, no. McMuffins are top tier, top tier scran, but just my experience the last time wasn't great. Nah, fair dues, fair dues. I'd like to know if our boy has had any McPlants lately. Oh, <laughs> he's he's got that as his um, bio on Twitter. Anybody want to his... share a McPlant? <laughs> <laughs> I came across his Twitter and I looked on it and it says anyone want to share a McPlant. I tell you what, when we do a season highlights pod, that is Sambal is massive. Oh, highlight. that's that's going to be tough to tough to beat that. Yeah. Sure will. Um, next up, Kev Wilson. How many points do you reckon we need to secure European football? Four. Five, I'd say. Four or five, as long as we beat St Mirren. Yeah, if we beat St Mirren, I think we'll be sound. Cause I think I they'll, they'll, if we beat St Mirren, I don't think they'll beat anyone nah. in the top six. I think if we can beat them, then we'll definitely finish fifth. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And uh, also, James, we've got the best record against the top six out of all the other teams in the top six, bar Celtic and Rangers. I know, we've got a better record against the top six than we do against the bottom six, yeah. incredibly. 
just as well we finish in the top six then. Again. Uh, James Kinneborough um, again asks, recording tonight so you'll know the outcome of the Jago appeal, discuss either the SFA making a good decision or how much of a disgrace the SFA are. The SFA, brilliant decision from them to overturn the red card. I don't think there was any way they could they could not have overturned it, personally. I agree. I, like, I actually think that part of the reason why they've overturned it is because of the backlash that they've had recently. Yep. Can you imagine if they didn't overturn it, the absolute backlash from across all media platforms after the Aberdeen and this incident? I think they've done it because of what's happened against uh, from the Aberdeen decision. I think yeah. it's not because they're actually competent. I think they've just shat the bed, to be honest. Fair days. And we've got uh, a couple of questions from Instagram as well. Uh, if you don't already follow us there, we're just at the Hibs Ramble on Instagram. Uh, it's Callum McDonald, and he says... Um, should we renew Stevenson's contract? I think that's a resounding yes. Should the SFA get to fuck? Yes. Fair dues. And he, and he says, what's your dinner for the next few days? <laughs> for the next few schedule days? It. I don't know fucking can. I, I, don't know, I don't know really have a plan, but I think, like I said before, I'll, I'll be living day to day, so I think it will be... Um, what day is it today? Takeaways. I'll, be playing five, I'll be playing five tomorrow night, so I don't think there'll be anything too heavy. Before it, I think I'll be... The picture of health that you are, Craig. Yeah, well, that's why I'm playing fives, mate, to try and... McLean, though, do you know that Jack Lumsden has a schedule, a weekly schedule for what he's going to have? Does not surprise me. Does not surprise me. Because he doesn't like having to make a a daily decision on what he's going to have. (laughs) Is that the most Jack Lumsden thing ever? But what if it gets to, like, Thursday and you're like, oh, I didn't really fancy that today. You need to have it anyway. Probably, I'd have to stick rigidly to it. One of the one of the worst questions I think any man on planet Earth can get asked by their significant other is, "What do you want for your tea?" Well, I like that question because when Megan asked me that, she's asking in a roundabout way, "Do you want to get a takeaway?" So I love that question. Ideally, no, that's that's the worst one. It's it's I've just noticed that it came through my phone ten minutes ago, and I'm trying to avoid answering it. Because I think my answer is going to be, I don't know, I'm not sure, I'm not fussed, what are you in the mood for? And then the response is going to be, it doesn't matter what I'm in the mood for, just an eye. It's uh, Difficult decisions to make. You're going to need to update us, Craig. Yeah. On what you actually have, but then that, uh, that concludes all our questions this week. So I'll hand it back to you, Craig, to wrap up. Aye, so we'll, like I said, we'll do a sort of deep dive pod, hopefully, um, that we're all there. Obviously, Liam's got a parcel due in the next couple of days, and we don't know how effective it's... I was trying to tie in like a DPD joke there, but that just wasn't happening. Um, so I've not do... been given a, a strict... Um, I've not been given a time scale yet. Yeah, you're, you've not been given your... What is it, I've your... not had the text through. Yeah. <laughs> So I um, will hopefully get something done on Sunday. That'll probably be a long, long one, like a, a good, a good period where we'll review the season up till now, and we'll take a look at the the sort of where we go into the top six. But again, thanks everybody for your, for your <coughs> questions, and also uh, thanks again for the continued support throughout the season to hit a thousand followers. Might not be a lot to some people, but you know what I mean. We've, we only just started this. 
we only just started this, I think. When did we start, Liam? Start of August? Like a week before the start of the season. Yeah, and our interactions have grown and our viewership's grown. And especially in such a, you know, when you've got other Hibs podcasts out there where you can get your content that people are, you know, happy to listen to us slave or shite for over an hour most Mondays is really appreciated. So I will get um, any questions you've got for us for the season review, let us know. We'll get as many answered as we possibly can and then we'll we'll see you all next week. Love it. See you in a bit. Night guys. Bye.